So Billy is a dancer, foremost, but it also has been known to write poetry, draw cartoons, and perform stand-up comedy. She's 36 years old, lives on Kauai, works as a massage therapist, and is studying to be a therapist. I put a link to her Instagram in the episode description. Thanks for coming on the show. So, Icebreaker, if you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Oh, you got a kitty there. Yeah, princess. Princess, where do you want to go? I don't know. Um, I guess Japan. It's nearby, and talking about one to Japan. Like Tokyo? Uh, maybe not Tokyo, but I mean, I guess I could look at it. But I think Tokyo is like really city crazy, right? Um, so super crazy. Like, rural. More rural areas. In the cherry blossom. Right around Kyoto. So, living on Kauai, does it feel like you're living in a paradise? Yeah. It's really beautiful here. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Uh, it's super vibrant. Um, an amazing place. We're super blessed every day. Yeah. Have you ever tried surfing on the island? Yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm not. I'm not very good at it. Uh, my partner Jared is a really uh, amazing surfer, so I'll go out and I'll surf with him. When I say surf, I like have like quotations. So yeah, I like paddle out and like sometimes get beyond the break. Mostly just hang out on the surfboard. Um, try catching waves sometimes, but it's a little scary to me. What's scary about it? Like a riptide? Sure, rip ties, but like just the speed. I don't know, like getting up and then the speed, and then not really knowing. Sometimes, like, there's reefs. I really am like freaking out when I'm over a reef. I don't think it's scraped up by the reef. And I hate being like tossed around and like held underwater. That freaks me out. Sure, I've been there. Yeah. Scary. What's a normal day like on the island? A normal day for me? Yeah. Um, well, if I can arrange it in a way I like to sleep in, um, so like eight-ish, uh, drink coffee, um, do some like reading or writing in the morning, and maybe go to work, and I'll usually go to a dance class or go skate. Go skate? Yeah, skate, roller skating. Roller skating, go dancing. Gotcha. Eight o'clock, waking up, that's not that late. Yeah, eight, nine. That's not too bad. No, it's not too bad. So, how's living on Kauai different than, say, living in Portland, where you did used to live? It's just, you know, it's hard to compare the two, so I'm just at such a different place in my life. So, it's just, it's impossible to, to compare. I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Impossible to compare. I feel, like a, I feel like I'm just a different person. Um, I have somewhat similar interests than I had then, except I guess it's a little bit more refined. Like I have like much more clear idea of like what it is I want to do with my time and I have more resources than I used to have. So it's possible that like if I went to Portland now with like the resources and the knowledge and stuff that I've gleaned over the years, like it would be maybe somewhat similar. Um, that's, you know, just different landscape, but, um, to compare like who I was back then to, to who I am now and. The, the lifestyles. It's just, I don't know, I think it's just too hard to compare the two because I'm at such a different place. Sure. Developmentally, like my resources. So, um, let's get into dance. When did you start doing aerial silks? I experimented it with it a bit, um, I guess, all throughout my 20s. When we were in Bellingham, you know, I was living with Chelsea uh, and she an aerialist and she was always trying to get me into it back then and I had a curiosity but uh I just wasn't ready for it it's so hard and it was just like I would really like the idea of doing it but the practice of it was um there's a, a bit of a learning curve right like it's just like hard 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 and then boom something clicks and it's like oh all of a sudden so it was it was just hard for me to get over that and so like throughout my 20s even in Portland I would do aerial still at a studio there uh, oh, really? on and off but Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but I didn't have, like, now I have my own apparatus. And so that's just such a game changer. Like, it was hard to practice once a week. It was really hard to see any progress. So I did try it back then, but really didn't um, advance much until the past, like, three years. And, like, doing it, like, consistently and seeing some, finally seeing some progress. And I love it. So did it, it takes, like, a lot of strength. Core strength, everything. Legs. Yeah. Arms. Full body. Yeah. Coordination. Uh, memory. Memorizing. Like, you know, think about muscle memory to kind of get a sense of where your body is and when you're wrapped around and all these like this fabric is kind of everywhere. It's like you gotta really be, um, yeah, knowing what's going on. Sure. So it's like getting like the mind and the body to work together. So, have you done performances in front of people? You know, not quite, not yet. I do have one coming up in the next like month or so, uh, and I, yeah, and I have another performance coming up with a dance crew here doing hip hop dance for the Pride Festival, which is going to be my first official dance performance. So it's not with silk, but hip hop. Um, oh, okay. So I'm really. I'm really excited. It's going to be really, really fun. So is it choreographed? Yes. Yeah. And uh, how many people are in it? Just yourself or multiple people? Yeah, maybe like 30 or so, I think. Oh, ah, okay. All kind of doing the same moves or some of you are doing different yep. moves? Okay. Yeah, we're going to be as in sync as we can be. Okay. I'm usually like a half second behind everybody else. Just like a millisecond behind everyone else because I'm looking in my periphery like what's a millisecond? How would you know? Just a feeling? <laughs> it's just a feeling, yeah. Just... <laughs> you, you, like, you have the perception down to a millisecond? That's impressive. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, just, it's just like right behind everyone else. You know, it's like the mood is just like right behind everyone else. So that's just Could that like... be psychosomatic or is it like actually a half a second? You know... <laughs> It's really, it's, that's not so much the point as like, you know, it's just, I noticed that when I'm doing the choreography, I'm not quite in step with everyone else because I don't know the moves did, always. So did you ever seem, did you ever see me do that mod hop, modern hip hop dance performance of Janet Jackson's like chair dance? No. Were you was, there? I was off by like a second. So. <laughs> I was off by a second. <laughs> Are you dancing with other people? Yeah, yeah. It was um it was good. Um I was probably one of two straight guys in the class and then there was like thirty six women. And... Yeah, I love when the guys show up. <laughs> and uh yeah, we were humping the chair a lot. A lot of hump in the yeah. chair. Um, and we had this dance instructor, his name was, uh, his nickname was Bopi. He's an African-American guy who was like a world-class ballerina through Juilliard. Uh -huh. He was, he was funny. And he was, he was a really good teacher. But the first day was super embarrassing. He made us walk like uh, models across the room yep. in front of everybody. Oh. Did you have to do yep. that in your hip-hop class? Not in the hip-hop class, but I also do heels every once in a while. So like where you wear heels and dance. And um. so they'll have, yeah, so they'll, they'll have us as a warm-up do that, like, run when they walk, like, with the heels, like, kind of, like, so low, or, like, with another girl. And I was, yeah, it was really embarrassing for me to do that in the beginning as well. I have since, like, I've been doing it now for about three months, and I, I that, like, awkwardness has thankfully mostly gone away. And the support of, like, the women and the other people in the class who are cheering each other on, it's just, like, makes it so that it's much more comfortable, but... Those first few like walks, it just feels very vulnerable. So they do the same thing. They make you walk in front of everybody, and you're supposed to pretend you're like a model on the catwalk. More or less, yeah. You're like walking down, and then there's like three different stops along the the walkway where you like you know put your like right foot out, left foot out, walk, walk, walk. You know, like do a little like twerk, 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 and then walk, walk, walk. <laughs> oh shit! Right foot, left foot out. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that it wasn't that choreographed for me. It was just like just be sexy. You're like a 
You're like a space alien with 27-inch heels. I was like, yeah. oh, oh, damn. <laughs> Very embarrassed. Yeah. I was probably blushing. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but it was but, good. I, like, after we did so that, I was like, okay, we can do anything. Right. Like, there's nothing more embarrassing than that right off the bat. <laughs> um, so, okay, so you were inspired by the Bellingham Circus Guild somewhat because you live with Chelsea and she would perform there doing aerial silks. Yeah, um, absolutely. I know you would go and dance to, like, funk music at the Wild Buffalo, but would you go to the ecstatic dance at the Purple Church, too? You know what? I, I only went to Purple Church a couple of times. I wasn't as into a static dance back then. I didn't really get into a static dance until I moved here to Hawaii. Okay. Because yeah. I remember you dancing at the Wild Buffalo a lot. Do you think that, I mean, you only went to the Purple Church a couple times, but, um, I mean, it's a lot different dancing ecstatic dance than dancing in a bar, yeah? Right. What's the difference totally. to you? Like, well, I mean, like back then, I would always go to yeah, Wild Buffalo or Rumors, you know, and yeah, I would definitely get my drink on and just like while out. Whereas, yeah, I think probably the aesthetic dancing was more like kind of sober, and I don't know if I was quite there yet. And I guess like a little vibe difference too. I guess I don't know if I always the aesthetic dance scene sometimes be a little judgmental and like not really feel like these are my people or this is my place but as I like grow and kind of challenge myself and my preconceptions of what I you know think that people would be like or whatever you know like the more I just kind of mature I'm like no it's just about having fun and going out and being me and allowing people to be themselves and not get too um attached to well, you know, my impression was that I could go to the Purple Church and ecstatic dance, which is, I, I mean, I could basically go there and just um, do anything I wanted. And if they were going to, yes. if these old hippies were going to judge me, I didn't really care. But when I went to the bar, I felt like, oh, I could be really judged because if I do something really fucking weird here, then, um, <laughs> well then somebody's going to be like, uh, yeah, you're, sir, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> or what's yeah, wrong with you? Or just, just give me weird looks. I mean, I remember one night I was dancing really weird at Rumors at like an 80s night. And um, the guy came, one of the bouncers came up to me and was like, he grabbed me, looked me in the eyes and he said, are you on drugs? <laughs> and, I, and he's like, okay, no. Okay. Because he like, I guess looked at my pupils. He's like, all right. So mean. Um, I mean, how would you describe ecstatic dance? As yeah, a practice? that totally makes sense to me. That that like you would feel like going to an ecstatic dance that you could just be you, and I think that that's like why I love it so much now. Is like it is a place to just go and be yourself, express yourself so fully. Like you know, I, I in most of the ecstatic dances in the communities that I've experienced. Um, they're very, it's a very open, very supportive container where, you know, like, yeah, if you are, you like, want to cry, if you want to emote, like, it's just, like, all kind of generally welcome, and so that is, like, the really cool thing about a side dance is that permission to really be yourself, and um, I think that, you know, when I was younger, it just didn't, I wasn't maybe comfortable with myself in a way to, like, be able to go and be sober and, and be um, people in the kind of way that can be kind of intimate and yeah, I mean, just to explain to the audience what ecstatic dance is, if they don't know, I mean, you could generally call it kind of hippie dance or freeform dance or maybe even modern dance in a kind of way, but I mean... There's like the version where there's what is it the six rhythms or five rhythms they do like a five rhythms five rhythms okay so it's like a calm songs at the at the at the first I mean uh, at the beginning and then it gets more and more energetic and then it calms down again and I mean yeah. free expression dance whatever way you want to call it um, but yeah I mean at a bar 
it's kind of about image and persona. And I mean, maybe you're even on the hunt to see if you're going to meet somebody there. You know, there's something much... I mean, there's certainly a certain sexuality expressed in ecstatic dance, but I mean, in the bar, it's this sort of like image and like pickup culture and and stuff like that. And that can get in the way of uh, just having fun, really. Absolutely. um, Though, I mean, there's certainly, I mean, I was at an ecstatic dance. I don't do it anymore here in Portland. And there would be some weird sexual tension sometimes. Like, um, I remember one time here, all the guys got naked in the summer just completely naked, but the women didn't feel comfortable, like, taking their bottoms off. They might take their tops off. So anyways, it led to all this drama, and eventually they just said, okay, no one can take their bottoms off. But these guys were kind of out of control. I mean, like, they were flapping their wieners all over the place. (laughs) It was was a lot, and uh, (laughs) I was like, "Mm, yeah, I think they should be, like, brought down a notch. Because yeah, it was intimidating like to the women there, and they were expressing that. Oh, no doubt. I mean, especially with trauma and, like, sexual trauma and stuff. I mean, that's kind of intense. But, I mean, like, I support, like, places for people to be naked and do their naked thing for sure. But, yeah, I also appreciate places that... Uh, Set that line. Yeah. I think they... I mean, I think some ecstatic dances have, like... They'll have a specialized day for that. Right? Yeah. yeah. That seems... Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm... Yeah. So people yeah, know what they're getting I, into. I think so. I think so. And it, it, yeah, it really just depends on what, what aesthetic sense you're going to do. And it's like different communities have different boundaries and, and rules and stuff. But I, I would say that cons- consent and um, expressing boundaries is it, whenever I go to an aesthetic dance, usually these things are talked about, like how to say no, how to... Um, yeah, yeah. How to look right, like the cross arm like, thing. Like, I don't want to dance with your crossed yeah. arms. Crossed arms, bow out, turn around, spin away. You know, like different ways that you can say no with your body or with your words. Like, I think that places are really like all about people saying no. You know, if something is. Yeah, and the nudity thing. Yeah, I don't know. It just depends on where you go. I, I know that we. Anyway, yeah. So you've also been doing some contact improv, it looks like, and uh, how's that similar and or different to ecstatic dance for you? Yeah, so we started calling it, we started doing this thing on Saturdays where we're, we're calling it um, ecstatic contact because hmm. ecstatic dance is, yeah, music, freestyle, you know, the, they'll do the, the slow start, bringing the energy up, bringing it back down or some of the trademark static dance I and mean, contact improv I think traditionally was done with no music quiet yeah um that's like a really intentional coming together like duet dancing um rolling all over one so, another yeah and so blending so there are a lot of people that go to a static dances do do contact improv um but you don't always you're not always sure and there are like ways to make contact improv uh, more fun by knowing kind of the foundational pieces on how to dance with each other and, and where how to share weight and um be safe doing it so that's yeah so so i love ecstatic dance and i love dancing with people doing contact improv at ecstatic dances and the two worlds blended is a lot of fun sure it's kind of like the partner dance of ecstatic dance mm-hmm. like if at the bar yeah. grinding is the partner dance then okay. contact okay. improv is the uh partner dance of the ecstatic dance yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I went to one in Bellingham, and I found it really boring because there was no music. Um, not not completely boring, but it was also kind of the people I was there with. I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know. But yeah. is you guys play music at Ecstatic Contact? Yeah, we did. So we're. I mean, this is the, we're gonna do it again this weekend. We did it last weekend, and I'm kind of working with this woman here on Island who is also into Contact Improv and. Um, she was kind of like, you know, I kind of prefer to do it in the quiet. And I was like, okay. I was like, I don't know. I kind of like music, you know? So, so we're just kind of like working together and maybe like doing both and stuff. But yeah, that's the the idea with it. It's calling it a static contact. And I'm fine with quiet too. I mean, there's like, that's beautiful. And and 
but yeah, I don't know. I like to dance and kind of just be a little bit more experimental with it. And yeah, the music makes it fun for me. Well, and it kind of lets you let go and just, yeah, you know, right. get into the dance and not think about anything else. But when I noticed with that complete silence, the couple, maybe only the one time I did it, I was like, oh, this is hard to get out of your head. <laughs> it's almost yeah, like meditation. I, I, could see it. I could see exactly. It's like kind of like a meditation. So I could see it in multiple ways. Like the thing about the music and the making and making contact with the music, you might be following the music, the beat too much or the lyrics or whatever. You could get into your head about that and you're not really meeting the person in a really Direct connected way. way. Right, because you're kind of like you're distracted by the music, and it's possible that some people might have more energy, or kind of whereas like another person can't really keep up with the music. You know, if it gets too fast, it's kind of like whoa, like so the, the dance might be a little awkward because of that. Um, I still think that's fun to just be awkward and have messy and just have fun with it, but I think that's the beauty of the quiet dances is that you can really listen to your partner in a really beautiful way, really connected, really beautiful way. Well, it's kind of like, if I was going to make a metaphor, I would say it's kind of like Tai Chi, but like Tai Chi where you're both rolling off one another and you're both using like, what, what do you call them, points of your body? Sure, yeah, points. Contact points. So, you know, like the hip or like the shoulder or yeah. the hand or and how that like rolls over the other person's body. Yeah. Um, to explain to the layperson. He doesn't know anything about this world. <laughs> um, okay. Um, hmm. Is there more you want to say on dance? Like what it means to you or why you do it? Dance for me, it's, it's been such a medicine for me and embodying. Like, it's so important to be in our bodies. It's so easy to be in our heads and be distracted and, and on our phones and thinking about what's next and stuff. And, and that's, you know, why I love dance and you know, yoga and, and stuff like that that really puts you in your body. Um, that's been really healing for me is incorporating embodiment practices in my life. Um, and it's about relationship and I can really, it's about relationship with myself and it's about relationship with others. I can dance by myself, like be in my body and I can, it's a deep listening. How do I really want to be in my body right now? What is like being called, what movement is being called forward and just listening to that. And sometimes the dance is really small and, you know, maybe my eyes are closed, and then, and that's how I'm feeling, and then maybe I want to be in relationship with people, but I'm noticing that I'm closed off, and, and what's up with that, and how do I push myself to that edge of, you know, opening my eyes, maybe meeting someone else's eyes, maybe dancing around somebody in the periphery, or just, you know, how am I connecting to others as well, and, you know, just, um, I just love dance, I love, I love how, how it helps me be a more authentic, more true me and, and relate to people in a more true and, and real kind of way. Or... Okay, so it's about uh, intimacy between others. Yeah. It's a social it's a, yeah, it's... social art, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you ever have this feeling that, like, let's say you're doing something quite creative and ecstatic dance and... You know, you're kind of just in the zone. Do you um, sort of forget the moves that you've made? Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, know, I don't always know what I mean. I, that I that question really was kind of awkward. I, I guess I mean to say, like, I've just had this experience where it's like you get in the zone, you forget what you're even doing, um... And afterwards, you're like, oh, I just did this thing, and I may never move that way again. But that's fine. It's this yeah. sort of uh, intemperate thing. Like, you can't step in a river twice. Like, you can't dance the same way twice if you're doing freeform dance. I'm certain. Yeah, slow. I'm just get me into slow state. 
I'm sure there's some overlap, certain moves that we have a go-to. Do you ever feel kind of yeah. awkward? You're like not in the zone. You're like not warmed up and you're kind of like, oh, I guess I'll do this little thing. And it's kind of like, all a, the time. yeah, it's like a yeah, all the time. exercise. And I always like, I very often like will do the same thing like all the time. You know, I'm like, oh, here I am doing the same like move again. And that's why it's kind of cool like contacting and dancing with other people because it kind of like gets you out of the things that you always do. And that's also why I love going to classes like hip hop or whatever dance classes because yeah it kind of helps you get out of those add in more uh more creativity to it yeah variety yeah Yeah. um so this hip-hop dance that you're going to be doing um is who's is this uh this is an original choreographed piece or are you copying somebody yes well it's this our teacher his name's sire he's amazing if you interview him he's phenomenal (laughs) yeah um, <laughs> Maybe he's too famous. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, he, I feel like he's definitely on his way up. Like, I don't know. I could see him where he's just—he's so young. He's 23, uh, and an amazing teacher. I couldn't believe it when I heard he was 23. I'm just like, are you kidding me? He's like got so much confidence, like, uh, and he knows how to like read a room in this like really beautiful way. Like, you like, sense the energy. He has, like knows when to switch it up. He's just such an amazing teacher. I love him. Um, what was the question? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I guess this is an original piece by Sire. Uh, I think so. I, he gets inspired by, yes, like the song, whatever song he's playing, he'll look at the artists and look at their choreography. And I think like Billy like use a lot of um, that choreography that he sees from the artist, but with his own style and own flair. Gotcha. What song is it? Oh, my gosh. There's going to be six songs. I honestly, like, I'm, I don't even know. Are there, do you remember some of the what artists? Huh? Do you remember some of the artists? Yeah, we're going to do Chloe, Bailey, um, Ungodly, no, Have Mercy is going to be one of them. Uh, there's six songs. And okay. I am are they going to be the full time. song, or are you just kind of kind of like, yeah. oh, the full song? Yeah, the full song. So this is really like, I to practice. <laughs> this is like 30 minutes, huh? Or 20 minutes? Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I oh, wait, six it. songs, maybe 18 minutes. Three yeah, minutes a song. Like that, yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's go into some of the past things that I, you know, uh, as we were friends in, in Bellingham, I saw you, and in Portland, I saw you do a lot of, trying a lot of different arts. And I, I don't know if you want to rehash the whole past, but uh, first I was going to talk about your poetry. So, I don't know, you've wrote maybe, I mean, you sent me like maybe like 20 poems over the years. Probably about it. <laughs> um, I mean, they're really, I think they're really good because they're usually pretty like, uh, I, I interpret them as pretty like emotionally raw. Like you're kind of, it seems like you're in this mood and you're like, I really need to figure out what the hell's going on with this thing. And so you sort of um, pack it all into that poem. Um, those poems that you do write when you do, are, are, is it sort of a therapeutic practice? Definitely. Yeah, I would say most of whatever art I create, it's, it's all, yeah, for therapeutic purposes, generally, processing emotions, I'm so emotional, I, I'm not, I don't know if I've been, like, well, I guess I, I probably have some kind of mood disorder, which is pretty common, um, and definitely struggle with symptoms of complex PTSD, developmental trauma which is also incredibly common most people have some variation of complex PTSD Um, and so yeah like using art poetry media artwork painting comics poetry dance it's all just a way to for me to express and emote in safe ways that uh, are yeah healthy and does um when let's say there's a let's say it's not like a major issue you're dealing with let's say it's like a like a medium issue it's not something you keep coming back to um mm-hmm. and you write a poem or you do a dance and or you know you make a painting or maybe you do multiple things or you do one thing does once you've done that and you've kind of like put it in that that pro- that product do you feel like you can let go of it I think it changes. 
I think letting go is a very complicated thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would say that it changes. I would say that, like, if there's, like, an issue, a medium issue, whatever, yeah, going through the artistic uh, expression of that, it will change it and, and lessen the lessen the I don't know, the grip of it or, or the intensity of it, um, of the issue. And yeah, maybe, maybe it will, depending on what the issue is. Maybe it will go away and let it stay. It'll go away for a while. But I think that these things have a tendency to kind of keep coming back. Kind of cyclical. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in doing the artistic process, do you find that you, it's introspective? Like you come up with ideas and, and ways you can deal with it through making art? cartoons now okay. these, are your cartoons in the past or have you been making cartoons at all or comics recently? I did a bit last year for school I had like a school project and um, I decided to make comics as uh, part of my assignment so yeah I did some um, comic sometime last year did uh, did they feature your peanut people yeah <laughs> <laughs> which and I call them, you called them peanut people because their torsos yeah. are, are kind of like a peanut shell, but they're also yeah, kind of like an eggplant. They got the like, yeah. yeah. And um, I know you had a dream of creating a graphic novel that was more complex. Yeah. How far did you get on that project? I forget. Uh, yeah, no, not far. I mean, I guess it's still a dream of mine um, to kind of put together some kind of art book or something, kind of like some kind of self-help art book or something. That's um, also a memoir yeah, and memoir has your characters in it? Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I, I mean, there were some really funny it. characters in there. What What do you have, the baby who would smoke or something? Or the smoking oh, baby? Yeah, baby Dot. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. was his name? Kit Kat? Yeah, my baby Dot. Oh, yeah. baby Dot. And then was there yeah. like a devilish character yeah kind of like a gesture like a joker kind of character and then there's like the character that kind of resembles me the most and um yeah there's like this like little higher wiser being like peanut with like a halo (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i if i remember right some of the backgrounds are really nice like you had like abstract watercolor designs on them or something like that or marker I mean, it was dynamic. I mean, it wasn't just like uh, some basic line drawing comic strip. It had like interesting back stri- uh, backgrounds. That's cool. Yeah, some of them were good. Like they they were pretty good. Like in my early twenties, when I was living at the alternative library, hanging out with all those kids and Future Man and stuff, and really like inspired by graphic novels, they did get really good. I have them somewhere in a box in Washington, but um, oh, was, I like, see. Is that Those a? Ones, like, sorry. Huh? Sorry. Is, no, it's fine. Is that a sep? So was that a separate project? That stuff you were doing when you were living at the alternative library? I, I mean, that's just kind of like where it started, I would say, and then mm-hmm. kind of developed into these like kind of characters that, like, yes, I kind of brought with me throughout the years. But because I didn't kind of, I, I wasn't consistent, you know, like the art kind of like it's very basic you know like but it, I feel like in my early 20s it was kind of getting to a place where I was like wow this is like really good and like this is really good but I didn't really keep it up so but yeah I, I think that I'm yeah those those characters are pretty solid like I was, they're very expressive very much just like yeah my my style different archetypes know. yeah archetypes exactly yeah um okay so you were inspired by the alternative library and you were reading like the Sandman at that time and other comics. Um, We'll get back to the, also known as the sushi house later. Um, Let's go in, let's do a little bit, a little, a a little standup skit. 
on your comedy years. No, I'm just kidding. Not a stand-up skip. But um, what what inspired you to want to do stand-up? Again, just ther- therapy. Just a way to like kind of therapy. process. Therapy. Therapy. Just a way to kind of process challenging situations, find humor in challenging situations, perhaps find community. I, I've always loved comedy. I think stand-up is so freaking cool. Um but, yeah, it's hard, and, yeah, it wasn't a thing that I never really got good at. Um, it's, it's rough. hard, scary, and, yeah. Well, you started, you would go to the Bellingham Circus, what did they call, oh, yeah, Vod Bellingham. You would go to the Bellingham Circus Guilds, Vod Bellinghams, and you did a couple stand-up sets there, right? Yeah. And the Sushi House kids were in the audience, I was in the audience, so we kind of gave you some some backup. Um, but when you came to Portland and we go to those stand up open mics, those were like, some of those were nasty. They were brutal. Like I was like, at least half these comics are like nihilists. (laughs) Yeah. It just totally killed any, and I would just get way too drunk to be honest. Like I think the ones in Bellingham worked well and, um, I think I was probably sober back then for those and had like a really supportive community. When I moved to Portland, I would go and I would drink and uh, those comics were, they were serious comics too. You know, they weren't playing around and I think they, they didn't respect people that came in and were just kind of like doing it half-assed and um, so yeah, it was just hard to really fit in and it was late night and I was not putting in the work really to like be successful at it and yeah. so eventually just like yeah this is not this is you remember that you remember that bar of the gods sunday night open mic yeah. on their back patio i was probably the only one in there who wasn't a comedian like everyone in the audience was just <laughs> waiting for their turn and you were like fourth to last and when you got on the stage there was only four people left they had these crappy little chairs there was this like um electric bug zapper light that looked like it was gonna fall Comedians were commenting that. on it. Kia was there too, right? No, I think it was just me. No? Maybe? Maybe he was. I don't remember. He went to one of those, I'm pretty sure. I think he did, yeah. Um, yeah, and you got up on stage and um, you were going to do your aunt joke. You don't remember? So you were going to do your aunt joke and you were living in that apartment that had a lot of ants. And I'm in an apartment okay. with a lot of ants now too. <laughs> so I feel your pain. Uh, and... Uh, you were like, someone on the internet told me that uh, I should mix poison in with sugar. And that way, uh, I'll kill the ants. And then you were like, but now there's two piles. There's two piles now. One a poison and one a sugar. They're separating it. And then you were like, and now they have wings. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was funny. I laughed. But then you, I mean, not to, I mean, we can, we can cut this if you want. Uh, but... Uh, you started crying on stage. Because <laughs> you didn't think you landed the punchline. Uh, and I thought it was funny. And I was like, you know, it's, it's hard. You've got four people in the room. <laughs> and it's like midnight. And you may have had three drinks. Uh, we were all tired. We had just heard like 20 comics just tell the most disgusting, foul, nihilistic comedy you can imagine. I walked away from that being like, that is the most nihilistic uh, open mic in Portland. <laughs> yeah, it was intense. It was intense. I was not the first time I cried. I don't remember crying that evening, but I remember other times that I went It wasn't too long. And, oh, you know, now I'm remembering. <laughs> we all started being like, no, it's okay. You're all right. It's fine. And then you just got off the stage. But, hey, maybe it was just a defense mechanism. You're like, there's only four people in the room. These people have probably already heard my routine, so yeah, I'm done. Um, so that might have been your. Was, oh, go ahead. I think it was probably around the time where I was just like realizing this was not for me. Like I don't know. Yeah, after that night, you were uh, you started saying that you were like I'm done, and I think you maybe did something else, or maybe you didn't do anything after the ant ant fiasco. Yeah. Um. So would you think? Do you think that was one of your worst performances? And not worse in terms of like, the how. I mean, uh, it sounds really good. I, it sounds funny. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I thought I it was funny. About the, like, 
like. So, I mean, I think that sounds like one of my better ones. I, I have a story of my worst one in my head, but I don't really think that I should share it now, especially since we're going to hear it. Um, okay. Okay. We'll just imagine it. Uh, <laughs> did it involve any throwing anything at the audience or the audience throw anything? Oh, God. It wasn't that bad. No, there wasn't I, any rotten no. cabbages thrown. No, although there wasn't the third time when I, uh, no, I can't, I can't talk. It's too humiliating. Okay, yeah, no, I've, I've been there. I've, I've done some humiliating <laughs> poetry open mics. I still am extremely shamed of one. Did I tell you that? that? You, yeah, sure, if you want to, okay, if you want to tell your, like, a shame story, then I'll, I'll tell you mine. Okay, okay. I, uh, I was, I was 20, I was out of my mind, um, was doing psychedelic drugs, or maybe I wasn't, I don't know, I was a decadent, and, um, I just wanted to do these really shocking poetry open mics, and I went to the college open mic, and I was going to do this very sexual poem, it was called American Ugly, the full-length feature film, because I just watched American Beauty again, and it was all about, like, sexual repression, and it used the word, like, clit, and dick, and vagina, and, like, it was very excessive, um, and... It happened to be that it was parents week, like parents and family week. And so in the coffee house was like all the regulars, but then also like all these parents and little kids. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> should I read this? And I'm just a jackass. I was just like, I'm sorry, I have a really sexually explicit poem tonight. Um, so you should just cover your little kids ears. <laughs> and then I read it and I'm still ashamed. And then I was at a party Two weeks later, and one of the baristas there said that that poem felt like it sexually harassed the baristas there. And I was wow. like, oh, wow. And I was like, I'm sorry. That was not my intention. Um, and so I apologized to her. And then the, it was Valentine's Day. And I did all these, like, bloodletting poems where I was like, no, I'm really a feminist. I'm not bad. Believe me. And then they forgave me. <laughs> so, I mean, just, yeah, <laughs> shit show. They did forgive you or they did Yeah, they did. They were like, okay, yeah, that's all right. Or maybe they just said that just to get, you know, have me stop making poems dedicated to them. Because I dedicated it to them. I was like, this oh, is dedicated to the, to the braces that I offended. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Watch out for open mics. Um, yeah, yeah. You still don't have to share yours, but. Okay, yeah. I mean, let's see. I've got multiple yeah I guess like one that was just like really this is very shameful this is so shameful um so yeah I went to one open mic I did a bit and it was a stupid one I was like being self-deprecating or whatever and flipped up my shirt and made my like stomach talk like using my belly button or something with the mouth and then, oh like, I remember so that oh god and then like that one guy um Like two of them started heckling me in the audience. Don't sit in the front row. <laughs> it's okay for the comedian to like poke at the audience, but it's not acceptable for audience members to 
turn it around. Okay, so now let's go to Instagram. Um, okay. We'll just talk a little bit about Instagram because I know you've talked about it in the past and people sure. like to talk about Instagram. Um, if you were going to have any criticisms of Instagram, what would they be? I mean, well, I guess, like, all the advertisements are kind of annoying, and then also it's, like, I follow people, and yet I can always, like, when I'm scrolling, it's just, like, a bunch of people that I'm not following, so I don't really understand, like, the point of all that, oh, the but, um, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of, just kind of annoying, but, yeah, so that's probably my biggest critique, and then, of course, obviously, all the, the filters, the photoshopping, the, the look at me, look at me, I don't think it's really good for, like, the vanity. Yeah, vanity is a little bit, like, annoying. But, hey, live and let live, you know. I, I'm trying to, like, avoid trying to have too harsh of judgments about how people choose to express and share and stuff. I don't know. I just, I just think it's a little bit dangerous. Obviously, it's not. I'm not the only one that shares. And, you know, I don't know. Just worried about the young people and, and yeah, vanity. Sure. Um, so do you scroll a lot? Or you just mostly post, scroll a little bit, get off? Oh, it depends on the day. I don't know. I don't. I feel like I have a fairly healthy relationship with it at this point. Yes, I do scroll more than is ideal, uh, but I also don't feel like I'm. You know, it doesn't feel dangerous or addictive. Not yet. Not, not at yet. this point. It right. has in the past. You know, but as as of now, I feel like I've got a pretty good relationship with it. That's good. And I think, you know, us being millennials, <clears throat> we've got a little bit more of a buffer. I mean, I hear these podcasts and articles and stuff talking about people from Gen Z or uh, even Gen Alpha, as they're calling it. Um, and uh, it's, oh, they just seem so dominated by social media. I you can't know. imagine having when I was like 12 years old and like growing up with it. Yeah, I mean, it's just this really weird disconnect between reality and and the ideal, and just like constantly seeing it, and yeah. kind of constantly being asked to create an identity, an online identity, your best yeah. self. And of course, the comparing, comparing, the contrasting, copying. Uh, yeah, oof. <laughs> I barely use it. Um. So I just post pictures of trash around Portland, make little jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a step back, uh, pre-Instagram. Let's go back to your uh, childhood. Um, take a step back into the past. Uh, what type of kid were you like growing up? What kind of kid was I? I don't know. I, I would say I was, I was probably pretty kind. Um, I got picked on a lot. Uh-oh. Kind of like bullied a little bit I didn't always fit in um never really fit in with like clicks um yeah I don't know I was but I, I feel like I, I was imaginative I love playing Barbies and dolls um I did that probably up until I was like in eighth grade and then <laughs> moved from the east coast to the west coast I probably told you this um and I was still playing with Barbies at 12 years old, we moved to, and then um, I had new friends come over, and I was showing them my doll collection, and they were kind of like looking at me sideways, like, that's not the vibe, we play sports, and I was like, okay, and then my dad came to my room, very dramatic, I'll never forget, he's like, I think it's time we put the dolls away. What did he do to the dolls? I was like, I was just like from the attic, I was kind of over them anyway at that point, but, well, you know, but I remember being kind of like, well, middle school can be brutal, yeah, um, with judging you for what you're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I hit it from middle school and middle school, but middle school I was trying to be popular and like a preppy kid, but at the same time, um, I would like go to my grandma's and watch Saturday morning cartoons and eat Cocoa Puffs on her couch and just be a total little kid. And I think I did that up to like 11th grade. <laughs> Ar Arlene? Arlene? Yeah, Arlene's house, yeah. She always had the Cocoa Puffs, you know. My mom would have the healthier stuff, so got to go to Grandma for the good stuff. Definitely. Um, 
did you have an idea of uh, like, oh, I want to be this when I grow up, when you were a kid you in know, elementary? When I was two, three, four, five, whenever, just like maybe, I wanted to be a ballerina. I wanted to be a dancer. Um, oh, my mom okay. My mom put me in gymnastics, and apparently, because apparently you couldn't do ballet until you had like a foundation of gymnastics. And I, the story, as the story goes, I just wasn't vibing gymnastics, and um, so I never made it to ballet. So I don't know, like whatever. I knew that I wanted to be a dancer though at a very young age, and just didn't really have the scaffolding uh, of growing up to kind of like bring that into fruition. Um, but now. I'm a dancing queen. <laughs> you know, uh, did I tell you about my ballet one class I took after Mod Hop <laughs> with Bopi? Oh, boy. So this woman was like, I, I just feel like ballet is quite strict. I know it doesn't yeah, have yeah, to be, perfect. maybe, but it was strict. But it, it is. Yeah, and perfect. this this lady, she was kind of hippie-ish, seemingly, but she was still had to be strict. And she basically just said, uh, she's like, she came over to me, like, we're doing these, like, warm-up exercises, and she's like, hmm, yeah, you're not opening your hips wide enough. Um, Okay, just try to do this, and, like, puts me in, like, child's pose or down dog or something. It <laughs> says, like, until your hips can open, you can't do any of this stuff we're doing. And I'm just, I just walked out of the class. And I was just like, you know what, lady? My hips are still tight. They're super tight. I'm never going to get rid of these tight hips. I don't know what to do. They're too big. So I left. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be shaved like this. But I all walk across the stage as a model again. But not this hip <laughs> thing. Not this hip not shaming. Yeah, that's where I draw the line. I was like, oh, I'm scared. Um, <laughs> in your teenage years, uh, were you kind of a rebellious teen? Or, or how did you rebel? Yeah. yeah, I started partying a lot. I, I like when around... I don't know, 15, 16. Yeah, I just started taking drugs and drinking a lot. I was pretty lost, you know, until I was maybe early 20s and started kind of finding my way back. But those years from, like, 15 to 21 are kind of a shit show. So, drugs, you were smoking pot? Oh, yeah, smoking pot, experimenting with random party drugs and stuff, and... Mostly drinking, I would yeah. say, was probably the big one. Yeah. What was your go-to drink as a 15-year-old? Oh, um, <laughs> what were we drinking? I don't know, like Steel Reserve. Oh. Like, nasty. <laughs> um, when you moved to Bellingham, were, were you 18, 19? I was 20. 20, okay. So what did you do right after high school? Were you still living in the Tri-Cities? No, I actually moved to North Carolina from... Oh, no, I'm remembering, yeah. yeah. To uh, meet your, to ha live with your dad, yeah. Dad, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but then you left there. Yeah, I left there. I left there because I had some, like, mental health issues going on and didn't really get along with his wife. She had me on, like, pills and stuff, like uh, bipolar, you know, and I was just, like, not with medication, like, I need to get off this stuff, and she was like, ah, you're not on any medication, you can't live here. Oh, like, yeah, sounds conservative. Conservative. Yeah, well, so you had to come to Bellingham to escape those conservative stepmothers. Yeah, Bellingham, Bellingham, yeah. I was like, I, like, think of myself as, like, a seed, you know, like, I don't think of people as, like, seed, you know, and we need to be in the right environment to grow, and I just feel like, I was a seed, and it wasn't until I went to Bellingham that I started to, like, open up. And still, it took me a long time to really be confident and have a good sense of who I am, but I feel like really start to, like, flourish in Bellingham. What uh, what made you move to Bellingham? University. Oh, Western, okay, so you, you had applied to Western when you moved there? Yeah. Gotcha. I went to community college for a couple of years and then transferred to Western. But you were planning on Western was where you were going? I guess, yeah. I didn't really, I knew another woman, girl or whatever, who went to Western. and It was the only school I applied for. I just, 
yeah, it was kind of random. I didn't even know if someone else I knew was going there. So I was just like, mm, try this place out. Kind sure, of sure. Better than WSU, get away from yeah. Eastern Washington. Better than yeah. UW, which would probably be intense yeah. and expensive as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Mm, I did a lip smack. Mm. All the <laughs> listeners want the lip smacks. Mm. I can turn this into an ASMR uh, podcast. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's see. So how was Bellingham different than, say, where you grew up or North Carolina? To you when you moved when okay let me rephrase that when you got there like what was your immediate impression i mean it's hard to like no remember exactly the immediate impression but i i mean i will say that i really loved it like i really felt like cool like yeah this is actually a place where i can you know take a breath and take a beat like uh it just felt really magical and expansive and just I love like the green like lush water sure yeah. seeing trees um seeing trees. Did, yeah all the dryness and then North Carolina I mean both eastern Washington and where I was living in North Carolina both very conservative culturally so Bellingham you know we had a co-op and you know hippies hippies galore yeah, hippies Okay. <laughs> you know, um, had you really heard about much? Did you have any conception of hippies before you moved to Bellingham? I don't think so. Yeah, I, mean, I don't made, like movies and stuff like. But I don't. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> funny enough, I had no conception of hipsters before I moved to Portland, and then it just was like that word was everywhere. Right. Uh, and hippies, I mean, my parents were seen as kind of, my dad is like a old hippie. So I'd heard about it then, but I didn't really completely understand it till then. So how did you, how did you like, so you moved to Bellingham, you got some roommates, just random people. Yeah. And then how did you end up moving into the sushi house slash alternative library? Uh, I met a couple girls. And I moved around a little bit before moving into the sushi house. But then um, one of the girls I was living with had a birthday party. And Future Man was there, I think with Jordan. And he was, Future was acting, like, dressed up like a girl, I think. Like, like a baby or, like, a girl or something like that. And then, you know, like, he would call Jordan Papa. They were doing this, like, weird little thing or whatever. And I was just like, how cool to say and like who is this future man and like he is so cute and I just fell so in love with him he's like unlike anyone I had ever known before and just I completely just fell head over heels for him and so uh I met him uh we started spending time together um obviously that relationship was insane and um you know we broke up a lot and got back together a lot but um yeah, I pretty much moved in. As soon as I met him, like, we met, got to know each other for a few months, and then I moved into the sushi house to, to, yeah, be closer to him, and that just totally opened up my world. For outsiders who don't know what the sushi house is, it's it's basically a hippie house slash intentional community, and they would host a sushi night on Wednesday nights where they would serve sushi. Did, did you like that sushi at sushi night? Not really at the time. <laughs> Yeah, I know it sucked. Um, <laughs> it was just, just veggie. Chaos, you know. I always really like being with like one or two people at a time. Like I really like having conversations in that way. Like I'm not always like a party person, like big scenes and stuff. Although I can like get down with them, but it was a lot. Like because they, we would host every Wednesday, so weekly, every Wednesday night would be this huge party with like drums and naked people and dancing and sushi and it was just a little bit like far out for like where I was and you know what I was like really ready for and I also it was really threatening to me too because I was so in love and obsessed and 
obsessive over like future men you know and so he would like really be into it and like you know i just like would get really jealous and so it would kind of create like a lot of stress for me sure. <laughs> at that time sure <laughs> did you ever get naked at one of those sushi nights oh probably i did I'm one sure night and it was pretty embarrassing if i look back at it there was three of us. I don't even remember who the two other guys were. And we were up just like flinging our dinglings to the drum beat, you know? And I think. Was Devin one of them? I hope to God not. No, I don't think I would have gotten naked around that guy. Oh, he was always naked, though. He was always naked. No, I wouldn't have danced naked next to him. He's, he's, one, of my, um, he's one of my enemies. Former enemies. Let's say ex enemies. Ex. Come on. Now we love him. Ugh. Ugh. I, uh, I know I you him. love him. Um, so, so, lip smack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know who it was. Two randos. But then Chloe looked up at me and was like, started laughing. How would you describe the sushi house in general? Like, chaotic, calm at times? I mean, I wasn't really exploratory. Like, really exploratory time um, I mean it went up until like a couple years ago so I mean it went through so many transitions and transformations and groups of people and yeah I so for me and like my time there like that back then like it was just so sweet it's one of the most like sweet times of my life and I really didn't let it like sink in at the time just because of where I was at um developmentally but like looking back I just cherish that time so much just thinking about even all of the like little conflicts and stuff all of it I just look back on with like just such a just so much heart because it was it was cool you know and there's a lot of activism like I wasn't a big activist um but I'm like just so impressed by like some of the kids that were in that house and like doing such cool things for their ages and um, the skill shares, the weekly skill shares, like mm-hmm. learning how to like, like skin animals, like roadkill and stuff, and gardening. Like there was like gardening skill shares, compost, and um, Zach would week do weekly food not bombs, like like feeding people, like for like a twenty year old, like twenty one, twenty two year old to like have so much heart and care and love for community and for other people. It's just so impressive. Yeah. yeah. It was just kind of um, fucking around, you know, but uh, I really, I learned a lot. Like, to be around, like, I, I didn't really have a concept of arts very much before I moved into there. Like, I mean, I knew about art and, you know, like, but I just, I feel like I, I got so cultured in that time, like, just learning about different art forms, different artists. Like, it just, really opened up my world to different ways of living so when you moved in there was so it was a three-story house that they were renting and the middle floor you guys had and future man had set up his comic book library slash regular library there at that point yeah yeah okay and did they have the upstairs too or no I know that when we first moved in, we only had two stories. I think we just had the middle story and maybe the, the, the bottom story. I don't remember, actually. Okay, yeah. And then eventually the whole thing became yeah, eventually all the, the sushi house. Um, yeah. So that's over now? They've shut that house down? They did, yeah. I just moved within the past year. Really? What happened? Just people all moved out? I think, yeah, I think maybe the owner just wanted to, like, you know, renovate it or something and sell it. But they've sort of started the Sushi House 2.0 with uh, the Karate Church, right? The David Zhang box? Maybe. I, I honestly, I don't, I have no idea. Because they, really is the alternative library still there? I think it moved several places. It's somewhere. I don't know if it's at the Karate Church anymore. Yeah. somewhere. Um, so it sounds like you're kind of nostalgic for those years. Yeah? Nostalgic, maybe. Um, Grateful? Grateful, definitely. I made some really like long-lasting friends during that time. Like so, yeah. Like Mashawn, you, Future, Kyle, Devin, Michaela. I mean, there was just like a whole crew, like handfuls of people that I met that I still just think of like as family, like so fondly. Like 
like, you know, we were all just like, I didn't have a dorm experience ever. So this is kind of like my experience of like community living. And there were so many of us, like, you know, anywhere from like 20 people at a time, like living together. I just, you know, Peter, Kodiak, like all of these people, like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It was just a really sweet time. And I've never really had anything quite like that time before. And so looking back on it, and thinking about it so fondly helped me when I'm moving forward in my life to remember to be appreciative and to be grateful of these times because yeah, like life goes on and I just don't want to like have to you know, regret not being in the moment and really just making the most of all the beauty that, that life has to offer. That was just a beautiful time and I was just so distracted with my own pain and suffering and stuff that I, I wasn't really able to make the most of it. But it is what it is, you know, like it's all good. Like I'm not like I don't necessarily regret anything. Just uh yeah, but appreciative. Just appreciative. Well, hey, thanks for sharing uh all your experiences with us. Thanks for having me on the show.